ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I am back from Las Vegas from the Industry Summit. And I want to just do a recap episode today and talk about some of the things that I observed at the summit, what I learned, what I didn't learn, and just kind of let everybody know what the summit was like. And so that is my plan for today. That is what I want to cover. Let's go ahead and get started with that. I started the weekend by heading out there on Saturday. The summit for the first time was doing a card show along with the event, and that was for the two days leading up to the actual conference. And so Friday and Saturday, they did a card show in Las Vegas for the first time. I think there was somewhere between 150 and 200 tables at the show itself. And I rolled in there um, Saturday afternoon, just a couple hours before it actually closed and was able to check things out. I ran into Ty and Mike, the bench clear guys, and got a chance to talk with them for a little bit about how the show was going. They had actually gone out earlier and had been there for the whole time, and so they had been doing a little bit of content with some of the dealers that were setting up at the show. It was good to catch up with those guys, and I got to shop a little bit, you know, and I, I didn't really find a whole lot. I, I did make a tweet about one dealer who had a raw 1982 Fleer Cal Ripken Jr. and a screw-down holder. And I thought I was going to maybe pick up that card for $2 because it had a 200 on there. Um, but, you know, I wasn't missing the decimal point. That dealer was firm on $200 for that raw 1982 Fleer Cal Ripken Jr. He told me it was guaranteed to get a 9.5 or a 10. I'm not so sure that that's actually the case. And so, there are still people there. I don't know why you would take your time to buy into a table at a show like that and try to have prices like that and get away with it. I'm not sure how much business that that dealer was actually doing, but that was the card that stood out to me. I don't know. It made me chuckle. Hopefully it makes you chuckle too. But that was the show, and that was the the Saturday before the event actually started. Sunday was pretty low-key. They had kind of a, a room set up to watch the games on some big screens. A lot of people watched in the sports book. There was some food for us throughout the day, and then it kicked off with a tailgate party that evening sponsored by GTS, which was which was kind of fun. It had a ping-pong tournament and a bags tournament and some of that kind of stuff that went along with all of the food. 
And then we started off with the actual presentations on Monday. And one of the, the first ones that I found some value in was a session on store security. And they had a former police officer who does some consulting with different retail businesses and goes in and kind of gives them some thoughts and ideas on how to make their store more secure, both from a like alarm system side, from a, a display case and store setup type of side. Um, and there was some good value that was added from that session. They also had Tim Brown as the keynote speaker who talked a little bit about his career and overcoming challenges and, and doing things in his career that nobody expected based on his background. And, and there was a, a good a good positive message and then got a chance to meet him and get a photo with him after that. There were some sessions on social media and maximizing your brand. Um, the sports card investor team did that and like them or hate them, the guys and that the the guys and ladies from Sports Card Investor and that team have done a good job of building a brand, and so they shared some of the things that they've done to build a brand and, and shared some best practices, both on social and on the next day they did a session on YouTube, and so that was also a, a fairly valuable setting. Um, there was a session on local card shops where where Mike from Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Mike Fruitman. Um, did kind of a Q&A, and it was a, a chance for, it was more of a workshop than a lecture, and people were able to ask questions about different best practices, how people handled different scenarios, how people did different marketing, and that type of thing, and so um, there was, there's, uh, I guess if you were looking for a lecture, you didn't get it. If you were, if you had a couple burning questions, you did get a chance to hear from some of the other dealers in the room. The last and afternoon session on Monday was it was split and so there was one session with Scott from underdog collectibles one of our sponsors he along with DJ Kazmerzak from Panini led a session talking about what it's like to open a new store and what some of the best practices were for opening a new store in this current environment at the same time I along with Eric Norton from Beckett and Ivan Lovegren from you know at Watch the Breaks, we led a session on podcasting and webcasting, and so we had a uh, several folks come into that session who had different podcast or webcast ideas, and we kind of shared some best practices, helped them brainstorm and think through the topic that they were wanting to cover, how they would go about doing it, the store stories they wanted to tell. So we had a real good breakout session brainstorming with those folks. And then the day wrapped up that evening with a Monday night football party. Tuesday kicked off with the YouTube session that I talked about earlier with the team from Sports Card Investor. There was a finance presentation about building wealth during the sports card boom that was led by Brad Jared. He's the finance coach. And then there was um, a Panini presentation that really focused on UFC and their relationship with UFC. And there was a couple of UFC fighters, a, people, a couple of people from kind of the corporate UFC group that talked about how successful their relationship with Panini has been. I was a little bit disappointed that that whole presentation revolved around UFC and that Panini didn't use it to highlight the relationships that they've got for soccer and NASCAR and some of the other product lines that they've got. I, I was expecting to hear a little bit more about the full Panini product line, not just UFC, but that's what they did uh, this year. Um, Brian Gray led a conversation about what am I worth valuing your business and yourself and 
really challenge people to think through where they're putting their their time and efforts and how they're valuing their business which was which was good it was good it, it wasn't mind-blowing but it was good it's always good to hear brian talk the one thing that he said there that i did find very interesting was that within the last couple months he had come to an agreement to sell leaf for he's what for what he said was more money than he ever imagined he would get from leaf but with the recent announcement of fanatics taking things over and with the recent nil um, opening things up for the future he walked away from that deal because he's that optimistic about the future now i'm curious to see where that plays out and how that goes but that is what he said which was kind of surprising to me and then the afternoon session that most people were probably pretty excited about was the power influencer panel if you want to call it that it was josh luber ken golden dj ski and dan fleischman and they talked a lot about where they see the hobby and where they see the industry. And they are bringing a fresh perspective that a lot of old timers haven't necessarily seen. Things that they, the way they see the market and the way they see the hobby is different than a lot of the old time dealers and manufacturers are doing it. And that was interesting. I think one of the, they didn't really talk much about the Fanatics deal. You know, Josh said, I can't really talk about the Fanatics deal yet. But what I can say, is that basically I think the hobby shops are the lifeblood of the hobby and are are an important part of the hobby. And they gave advice about things that hobby shops could be doing to be more omnipresent and be present online, be present in a physical shop, create a space that people want to come to. And so they did have a lot of advice for what hobby shops could do to succeed into the future. Again, there was nothing definitive about what their plans are, but there was encouraging things if you were listening to hobby shops and the future of hobby shops in this new world that we're going to find ourselves in over the next few years. And so that was a pretty interesting panel discussion that they had. And then the last session that I went to on Tuesday was a breakout session called Women in the Hobby. And it was a chance for probably 12 to 15 women who were at the summit in a variety of capacities to get together and talk about what it was like being a, a woman in the hobby. It was kind of talking through some of the challenges that they've had to overcome, some of the biases that they've had to overcome, some of the things that make women feel uncomfortable in the hobby and and their shops in online breaking forums, the way that they're treated or some of those misperceptions and misconceptions that people have about them running their businesses. And it was it was a really insightful conversation that they were have. There, there were shop owners there. There were people who run websites. There were people representing manufacturers. And it, it was just a good conversation. And it gave me some ideas on things that I can do at the shop that would make the shop more appealing to moms bringing in their kids and wanting to hang out for a little bit. There was ideas on things that shouldn't be done, even when it's things like addressing, hey, guys, when it's not all guys in the audience, you know, that type of thing are small things that can be done to make women feel more comfortable, make women feel more welcome in our hobby. And so it was a good conversation. I hope that that continues to, to grow. There are a lot of things shared there that the broader attendee base at the summit would have benefited from hearing. And so 
was real excited to be able to sit in and listen and observe and learn in the, the women in the industry panel. The last piece that I want to touch on is something that I really enjoyed, and that was the opportunity to deepen relationships with folks that I already know, as well as make some new connections with people in the industry that I hadn't met before. So I got to spend a lot of time with Rob Bertrand from GTS, with Ivan Lovegren, with Eric Norton, got to hang out with with Scott and Matt from Underdog Collectibles quite a bit, got to have a couple conversations with Tim Getch from ComC and continue to build and deepen that relationship. And so there was just a lot of existing relationships that I was able to deepen and get to know the guys from Beckett a little bit more and that type of thing. And that that was really cool. But I also got to meet Lance from Onyx and had another conversation with Daniel from Wildcard and the guys from Vulcan Shield, the new supply manufacturer, the guys from Show My Slabs. There's just a lot of cool conversations I got to have with other people in the industry. And so that that was another really neat part is got to meet some new people, several people who were just attendees, other dealers, other people that came to the, the podcast workshop. It was just a lot of fun opportunities to meet other people who are passionate about the hobby. And so that was really cool. One other conversation that I got to have that I recorded and is going to be our main interview today is with Ryan Johnson, Card Collector 2. We sat down after one of the days and just had a conversation about cards. We're going to get into that conversation right after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors. They break new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. I'm excited to see what Scott and Matt implement after being at the summit once again what they learned, what they're going to do to make Underdog an even stronger presence in the market. So check them out at udogcollect.com. Check out their physical store in Knoxville, Tennessee, and tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. I'm going to go ahead and run the interview with Ryan. Just want to let you know, we did record it live at the show. I didn't have my normal equipment. It wasn't a normal Zoom conversation like we usually have. And so we had to do some things to adjust the volume settings so that you'd be able to hear it. So it doesn't sound quite the same as our normal interviews, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Here's the conversation with Ryan. All right, we are back, and I am here at the 2021 Industry Summit with Ryan Johnson, better known maybe as Card Collector 2. Thanks for spending a little bit of time talking about the industry and and what we're getting out of the Industry Summit here this week. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I think this is, uh, you and I talked a little bit offline, but I think this is a good opportunity to talk with other fellow uh, content creators and really learn a lot this week. Cool. I first heard about you a couple years ago when you did a web show and I, I believe it was the about the card show and you went on the show and it was right when you first were opening up your initial shop and that's where I first got exposed to you but things have changed since then for you and I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that journey of that initial shop opening up a shop and and kind of where things have gone since then so when you first got into it and when you first started that shop was did you have a vision of wanting to own a shop one day yeah so the owning the shop piece was really that was my life lifelong goal that's what i wanted to do since i was a kid um, when i first got into it really 06 07 there was a card store that was um, nearby from my house about 15 minutes away and it ended up selling and closing shortly after and I had the opportunity to buy it and I remember like trying to convince my parents I was probably at the time this would have probably been 2009 so I was probably what 
16, 17 years old. I'm like, okay. this is this is the investment we should be making. We should be buying this. And of course it didn't work. And I just, from then on, as I got into it and progressed more, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, so an opportunity presented itself in you know, 2019. It was, it, it almost seemed unreal um, to be able to do that. So um, talked to a couple other fellow card shop owners and um, who, I, who I admire and look up to in the hobby. And they had kind of given me the advice that if this is what I really wanted to do, this would be a, a, probably my best opportunity to ever do it as it was a turnkey business, as I mentioned you know, to you offline. Um, it was a shop that was open for, for quite a while in, in Columbus, so to be able to buy something that was, was open and ready was, was, was nice. Now, when you did that, and when you took that shop over, you talked about a couple of the things that mitigated or minimized that initial risk that you were taking. What did you know about running a physical shop at that point? So I had worked at other card stores multiple times in the past. Um, there were a couple opportunities I had had, some much, much younger and some more recent, um, where I had the ability to to work behind the counter and, and, and learn that. Um, so I, I knew some, and um, I, I had observed friends, like I mentioned in the industry, um, that I again that I admired. So I, I had learned some from them, but not really a not really a whole whole lot. Not not. And obviously never anything on my own, never really my, my own, because when you're doing it for somebody else, you're always reporting to somebody um, who makes the final decision. So I learned a little bit, but nothing nothing too extensive. When you first started, were you running it solo, or did you have a team when you started, or was it just you to, when you first got off the ground? Yeah, so when I first, first started, I opened in May of 19, and it was just me, and there was a, a kid, his name's Nick. He, uh, I had met him through Instagram, and I remember seeing him in his shows and he was younger and I was like, hey, you're one of the few people I know and that's local, that is a kid. If you'd ever want to come in and like sleeve and sort and top load and price cards, I would love to help. So he would actually come in on like weekends um, and sit at a table and like sort and sleeve and top load and price and uh, it, it helped out a lot. But when I first started, it was just me and Nick a couple days a week. She had a little bit of help. You said you knew some of the basics about running a shop, but not necessarily everything. How did you go about learning that business side of how to run a business, not just the card side of things and, and what it was, you know, what cards were going to sell, but the actual running a business. How did you go about picking up those skills and knowledge? Yeah. So I mean, a lot of it was trial and error, right? Just a lot of it's like, you know, doing push-ups. Sometimes it's just easier just to do them and, and kind of learn as you go. But I also had a lot of good help. I had a lot of older mentors um, who had, you know, run businesses and done things like that that had, had taught me things along the way. And those things were crucial, right, to, to be able to, um, you know, manage inventory or, um, you know, taxes, just different things that aren't obviously the, the focal point of things we might discuss on social media every day, right? You want to show your cool pickups, but you're not talking about your tax return or how you inventory or security or things like that. So um, I, I got some good help, but a lot of it was just like, like I said, just trial and error. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you just, you, you'll learn it as you go. And that's, that's a lot of what I did. You talked about that when you got started, you, you kind of took over this turnkey physical shop, but before that, you had somewhat of an online following and an online sales component. You were doing business online as well. Um, since that point, 
you've continued to, to build out both your physical store and your online presence and your online following um, on social and, and eBay and the other, the other platforms. I guess my question on, on that is, did you, in, did you have intentionality around building out that online presence along with the physical shop? Or has that been kind of a happy byproduct of, of what's gone on for you? Yeah, I've, uh, I, I've said it before that I, I never set out to build the biggest online you know, sports card brand. That was never really my intention. I, it was originally just a place to post pictures of cards I had for trade that I could use on blowout card forums. Right when blowout, I was on blowout, I was really big on there. And then photo buckets started to charge money. So it was just a place for me to, as a young hustling kid, to post pictures of cards for free. It didn't cost me anything. Um, and then when the shop came, it was just, uh, like I mentioned offline, it was, we bought a turnkey business, taking those in-store customers and converting them and showing them, hey, we have this online presence as well that you had mentioned, um, but also the online the online component that we were working on um, at that time, at that time was, uh, was growing. And it was like, hey, let's create a destination, right? It wasn't the destination from the start, but um, you know, let's let's progress and let's get that way because that would get people from outside of the local customer base to travel to you, and and really that's that's what the focus became early was to kind of create that destination job. How much has that increased presence on social impacted your business? In store or in general? Both, both. Uh, in store, tremendously. Um, it, it definitely plays that the market is certainly hotter, um, but especially since we moved to the new store, that's when I definitely saw a, really an increase in, in people that are like, hey, we drove like last Tuesday, we had somebody drive seven and a half hours uh, a lady called and said she was driving with her boyfriend from uh, east side of Pennsylvania and they're looking and they're driving here for his birthday right like stuff like that I had never seen that before so as we grew online that definitely trickled into um, really that's where the destination shop kind of kicked in where people were driving all over um, but yeah but yeah as, as the as the online brand has grown everything like really has grown right as we do you know, we've done a couple Instagram live sales and those have been you know, huge hits and um, you know, we have a website and we run breaks it's just when I first started right we had me and one part-time employee and we're up to 13 employees now um, so it's it's yeah it's it's definitely grown a lot it's uh, just kind of it's kind of crazy to even say it out loud how you know 13 employees it's, it's kind of crazy one of the sessions that we had earlier today that, that we were both a part of was talking about building your following on social and the importance of social as, as what you do as a, as a business. And I've just observing you at the national and seeing the people come up to you and want to take a picture with you and, um, and those types of things. There's, there's value that comes from that, which you're, you, which you're well aware of, right? And that I've started to see with some of the content that I've produced too. But also I would imagine that people don't necessarily realize the benefits like, hey, I wanna sell these cards, but man, I'd love to be able to sell them to Ryan. And so you even have those opportunities get opened up to you 
because of who you are online and the way that you interact and engage with people online that otherwise you wouldn't. And so I guess that's one of the things that I try to talk with people sometimes too about the value of, of being present online and engaging and interacting online. I guess, do you, do you agree with that? Is that, have you seen those types of benefits play out for you as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I would be, I would be lying if I told you that those things don't happen, right? Um, I heard it quite a few times at the National, like, hey, one of my goals here was to make a deal with you, right? Like it happened, I, it's in one of the vlogs we had in, when we went to Boston, right? Somebody's like, hey, one of my only goals for the show is to make a deal. Um, and that's great. I, I love that. That's, I would, again, I never set out to make that happen, right? I didn't set out, to, you know, 15 years ago when I started this journey to be like, I want to be a sports card person that people are like, hey, let's make a deal with this guy. Like, that wasn't ever the goal. It's really, really cool. Um, but honestly, I, I, like I said, I, I don't try to set out to be that. I, I try to be, you know, I want to inspire the, the next generation of card collector. I want people to see that you don't need a million dollars to do this, that, you know, if, you, if you're a good person, good things happen. I try to, I really try to live by that. Um, and like you said, being present helps. Um, I'm not, I'm really not the best at it. I'm on like, it's funny, actually, the session I was just in when you, uh, when you were on your, on your panel, the session we were in was talking about like starting a, a card store now and um, you know keys and DJ Kazmarek from Panini had actually said something about you know you can't be everything to everybody and lately I've just you know I've really tried to be like hey I want to I want to travel and create content I want to be in the shop and build my my in-store following I want to run group breaks weekly I want to run Instagram live sales I want to like I want to do all of these different things but uh, you know I've kind of had to take a back seat to it because like I also as I was mentioning I, you know I've slowed down on some of my like engagement online like I still create content but I'm not like I have the truthfully I haven't been as good lately with like engagement with somebody that's like hey I like your content I haven't been you know yep. we get a good amount of DMs and I, I struggle with that portion of it so it's, it's just funny to see it come full circle because that's something I just took away from the last session was um, you know can't be everything and you just got to kind of find the things you enjoy and the things you're good at and focus more on those things and yeah long-winded answer there at the end well i think there's a lot to that you know and i think that's whether you're talking about your shop whether you whether that is you're talking about what you collect as a collector right you can't collect everything either right that that concept applies so broadly and is it, it makes people so much happier when they get to that place where they realize that they don't have to do everything, be everything, whatever it might be. You hit on something else that I wanted to ask about and talked about growing from you and a part-time kid who was helping you out to a, a bigger team that you've got today. You're, you also came to this event, not just you. You brought a couple team members um, so that they could also learn and grow and be exposed to some of this knowledge and education and networking opportunities. I wanted to ask, because not too many people seem to talk about this when running a successful business. I want to ask about the importance of building into your team and developing a team. Where did, where did that idea come from for you? Or, or how do you go about thinking about the time and the, the resources that you put into investing in your team? Yeah, it's, uh, I've been asked a couple times about like, hey, if you were starting over today, what would you do? And that's one of the, the pieces of advice I give is, I was late to finding my first employee, my first like real employee, Dustin, who is, is here, was really my first employee. And 
he came, uh, an opportunity presented itself to hire Dustin right around when COVID happened. So COVID happens, right? We shut down March 17th. Uh, you don't know what the future holds, right? Like if, it's crazy to be sitting here talking at this industry summit and the market kind of be as hot as it is because if, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if two years ago or a year ago, I would have told you, you know, like it's, there's a global pandemic. It's going to shut down most of the world. People are going to lose jobs and it's, it's going to kill a lot of people. Nobody would have said, you know what, sports cards are going to be, they're going to be on fire. Right. Because right? the first thing that happens when there's a recession or there's a war is people give up hobbies. This is a hobby for a lot of people, right? So to be sitting here talking about it with the market the way it is, it's kind of crazy. But when, when COVID happened and we shut down and the unknown happened, we went online, right? I've got a following when we've done breaks before, we started doing breaks. That was a huge hit and that led us to be like, okay, maybe we should do this a little bit more. Let's, let, let's see what happens. And then Dustin came in one day and was like, hey, you know, doing something I don't really enjoy right now. If you ever have an opportunity to hire somebody, let me know. And I talked to kind of one of my mentors and I was like, yeah, this kid, I, you know, he's coming a couple times, a real good kid. Uh, he asked me for a job today. And, I, you know, this is really the first time I'd ever been asked, like, hey, are you hiring? And he's like, I told you you should have hired someone months ago. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Thinking about it. And he's like, even if you don't know what you're going to do with him, you could have him sort cards. You'd have him help with breaks. Like you could teach him over the next course of a month and it would be, it would be of value to you. So I went back to Dustin literally the next day and he's like, I expect this to be a year from now. Uh, and he started two weeks later, literally put in his two weeks the next day. Um, and it was, it, putting the time, the effort, the money into my team has, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to my business. I wish, like I said, I wish I would have done it sooner. Um, because they allow, they allow so much to happen in our business, right? I'm able to do the things I really enjoy, traveling, creating content. Um, they take care of so much. They do a lot of the hard work. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. I know I would not be where I'm at without the team. And that's why it's, I take, you know, kind of my, my two guys that are, are with me here. They, they do so much uh, back home. They take care of so much. And it's just like... I want them to be able to be involved in some of the networking opportunities and um, to learn, right? Like the, you mentioned earlier, the, the social media thing, right? I do most of the social media now. I want them to be able to see like what goes into the social media aspect of it. Um, so at some point they can, you know, assist with that and they can learn and they can teach the other employees, you know, the rest of our team, that, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, putting the, the time and money into my team was, was something I learned late. Again, I didn't I didn't intend to hire employees when I first started, um, but it's definitely been one of the best things we ever did because I, I wouldn't change anything in the world about the team we have now. That's fantastic. Well, before we go, I wanna make sure I give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find you, where they can find the store, where they can find the podcast that you're a part of and all of that kind of stuff. So why don't you let people know where to find you? Yeah, so we're on most social, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitter TikTok, etc under card clutch too and then we have a retail space in grove city ohio about 15 minutes south of the city uh, it's just card collector two sports cards it's three four five five grove city road uh, in grove city ohio and then i'm also on a podcast with a couple good friends it's called card talk um, new episodes drop every wednesday uh, every wednesday morning and it's on pretty much any uh any place you can listen to uh, listen to podcasts. Well, 
thanks for spending a little bit of time today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. The Sports Card Shop is your small-town local card shop with the global reach. Located in New Buffalo, Michigan, the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Topps, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan. It is inspiring to talk with him, what he's done building a store from the ground up, essentially. Yeah, he said he bought it, and it was kind of turnkey, and there was some foundational stuff there, but it was his work that that went into it building and building and building and one of the things that he does that i really appreciate and that i try to preach to is to start small grind it up turn that 50 dollar lot into a hundred dollar lot and that hundred dollar lot into a 200 dollar lot 200 400 and so on and he really talks about that a lot and that's what he's been able to do building out a team it was just a lot of fun to talk with ryan so follow him at card collector too pretty much anywhere. I think you're going to gain some knowledge from it, and I think you're going to enjoy seeing what he does as well. I'd love to hear what you thought about my coverage of the summit, whether it's on this podcast or on Twitter. There's only a handful of us covering it. I'd love to hear what you think. You can reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at WaxPackHero, and I'd love to hear what you think about the show, what you thought about my coverage of the summit, and any ideas that you've got for the future of the podcast. Well, that's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.